It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest alongside reality television enthusiast Nick Jacobs. Yes, thank you. For people that don't know my shirt, let's you know that I, I don't actually watch a show, but it was a really good shirt, so I had to get it. So for people that are wondering, uh, Final Rose material right there. Okay, so what the shirt says. Uh, and I, I can I can vouch for that, everybody. Nick, Nick is absolutely Final Rose material. We'll find out. We'll find out, Matt. Still an opportunity. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's appropriate that you're wearing that shirt because I think that today we're going to decide who gets a rose and who doesn't from the Chiefs free agents. That is the reason I wore it. <laughs> and Matt picked up what I was putting I'm down. Glad. I'm glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> yes, because uh, that's our goal today. We're going to go through the Chiefs free agents list and talk about who, um, if we were Brett Veach and his staff, who we would retain, who we would let test the market, and maybe let walk. Um, maybe who's just ready to ride off into the sunset. You never know. Um, but you look at the board, Nick, and, I mean, Chiefs obviously always have a lot of decisions every single year. I mean, there's new free agents all the time. Um, there's different classes. There's obviously exclusive rights free agents that are, you know, further on down the list. Um, there's restricted free agents, which the Chiefs do have a couple of this year. Um, and then when you get to the unrestricted free agents at the very top are the guys who are going to get the big bucks. And there's no doubt everybody's looking at the Chiefs and they're figuring out what are they going to do with two specific players. And that's Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. Uh, how do you look at it, especially with the, you know, now that we know what the salary cap is going to be for 2024, it's going to be $255 million and some change, um, a little bit more than, than the experts projected. So a little bit of found money, although Chiefs have probably had a little indication for a while about what the salary cap could be. So behind the scenes, we're certainly making their decisions. But factoring all of that in, Nick, where do you come down on what the Chiefs should do, do with Jones and Sneed? Yeah, I mean, with Chris, um, I'm interested to see how much his camp is near that $32 million mark, like the franchise tag would have been, or if they're in that 26 to $28 million range per year. I think 26 to 28 is very doable, and I think it's reasonable with where he's at because my concern with Chris is with him hitting that age 30 over the next couple of years, he's not he's going to have some wear and tear. He may have some injuries that start popping up just because that's what happens for players at that age, and I don't know if he's going to be able to continue to be the same dominant three tech that he has been over the life of a contract, over, you know, over that three two year two and year three of a contract that's when you kind of wonder if he can match what he's done the past two years and especially if you're locked in at 32 million a year like that kind of becomes a pretty big where you need that you need that player to perform at that level i'm not saying that they shouldn't bring him back i hope i hope he's back with the chiefs i hope they're able to figure something out numbers wise but when terms of that they've just got to see where he's at from a physical whatever physical they would do into the year physical that they potentially did for him and where he's at physically, and then kind of see if there's a number that works for both of them. And if he does hit the open market, he's earned that opportunity. He's, he deserves whatever money he gets on there. 
And so that'll be the interesting part on that. In regards towards Snead, like I've said before, I want to see where that knee's at that kept him out of training camp and has popped up a handful of times. And I know you have the calf injury there towards the end of the year. I would want to know where those are at. What's the long-term possibilities with that year two, year three, year four down the road here before you give a contract and what could potentially, what, what is potentially waiting there. Um, but I mean, you know, like both of them are definitely valuable to the defense and both of them help the defense, you know, be a better version of themselves. And I, I'm saying if you lose them, then yes, you, you're going to have to, you're going to take a step back defensively, but you're also, you have coaches, position coaches and Joe Cullen and Dave Merritt that can help kind of develop somebody to where it's not a complete falling off a clip aspect to it. But with Snead, if I'm if I'm in the Chiefs' shoes, I really don't want to go past 15 or 16 million a year. Um, but I mean, if he hits that open market and there's the team that's desperate enough, Philadelphia, um, then you know I could see them giving 21, 22 a year type of thing. You know, if they're that desperate, so. I mean, I think both of them get paid if they if they hit the market. And, you know, maybe for the Chiefs, that allows those players to find their value. And if it matches what the Chiefs were at and, you know, if people are overestimating the market, then, you know, then that'll be – they'll they'll know where their worth is. They can offer it to the Chiefs potentially. And then, you know, the Chiefs can say yes or no on that if they do test the market. And that's what the Baltimore Ravens strategy used to always be is let the player test the market – and see if you can match it. And if not, then you tell them thanks for what they did and that they earned every penny that they got. Yeah, and and obviously you're you're talking about two players right there who would earn compensation in next year's draft, but obviously it's not necessarily what you'd be hoping for um, with those two guys. And you never know. I mean, if you're going to bring in your own free agents, you know, maybe it will they will cancel each other out. Right. Um, with Chris, I know a lot of people have had the question about his cap number um, because you look at the cap and it's you know twenty one, twenty two million for a defensive end or a defensive tackle for a franchise tag. But Chris, remember, is in a certain a specific situation because he made more than that last year, and you can't take a pay cut when you get franchise tag. They don't they don't hose the player that much. So his franchise tag number would be 120% of his his income last year, which is a good way of putting it because that would include his roster his, his bonus money and roster bonuses and he prorated money too. So, you know, his number last year was really about 26 million for franchise tag purposes, which is, equals the the 32 million odd number that Chris would be tagged this year. Whereas Snead is just straight up would be the 19.8 million. Um, now, cap number wise, you know, depending on who you look at. At, you know the Chiefs have have salary cap space and could conceivably fit even Chris's number on there. But like you mentioned, Nick, I mean last year you you have to go into the history of the negotiations and you know with Chris they have went into September last year, so they can't afford to do that again. I mean they can't mm-hmm. afford, especially with with Chris in particular, they can't afford an extended negotiation. I mean if they were to tag Chris Jones, they would need a quick resolution. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't let his situation hold you hostage like you did last year in terms of what you could do cap flexibility wise, what you had available to you. Like they, they needed that resolve quickly last year to get some things done that they couldn't get done wide receiver. Um, So like, yeah, they've, they've got to have that answer by the time free agency hits one way or the other. And I think that they will one way or another. So um, 
you know, I mean, we'll see what happens with it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not rooting either way. It's just like, you know, Hey, here, this is what's going to happen. If it goes this way, it's going to happen. If it goes that way. And, you know, I think most people will have a pretty good pulse or idea where the things are going. Once the combine's over. Yeah, and uh, the need with luxurious need, like you mentioned, is something that I think is definitely going to be a conversation piece. And why I might be surprised if he was a day one signing. I mean, if if, if he was, you know, maybe it's going to be contingent upon medicals because I think that they would like to get a look at him and do a physical and see where that need really is before a team plunks down, you know, four years and $80 million for a corner. I mean, I think they would want to know a little bit more, like especially what the Chiefs obviously know about his knee so you know yeah i mean it's going to be a difficult decision but you're right i i'm with you i mean if the chiefs can can keep those two players at below market rate at least below you know say the 32 million number below you know the 19.8 number for sneed on an annual basis i would be interested but it is going to be tough for both those guys um, as you go down, I mean, some of the decisions I think get a little bit easier, but let's, you know, we could, let's talk about some of the role players, you know, Nick, because that's kind of what you're getting into next. I mean, the chiefs, um, don't have a huge number of starters necessarily, um, outside of Donovan Smith, you know, left tackle, which is probably the one that we should start with. Um, because that's probably the, like I said, you know, maybe the only true starter, um, full-time starter that's going to be a free agent this year. Willie Gay's also on that list too. I mean, he's, I, I would consider him a, a starter, but he's also been a, the role player, but not as, um, an every down kind of guy like uh, Donovan Smith was this year. But so with Donovan and that left tackle spot, that a position where you just let him test the market, see what he wants to do, go a different direction. There's a choose your own adventure at left tackle. Yeah, I mean, the I don't think that that next situation is going to get any better, and I I think that's part of the reason the Bucks were willing to let him walk, either that or the elbow issue that he had the year before with the Bucks. So I don't I don't know if that situation is going to really resolve itself, other than him not playing in the NFL anymore. Personally, like because you know whenever you have something like that that can get into that type of injury, like you can. You can have, you know, issues with some of the feelings in your hands, maybe in your nerves, you know, it's like Frank Clark did. And so you you just, you don't want to, I don't know, you don't want to risk your overall life health to play another year of football when you got two Super Bowl rings and everything. So, you know, for me, I would, I would let him definitely test the market. I think he'll be out there for a little bit. And if they want to bring him back, then I totally get it. But for the most part, I always kind of felt like Donovan coming here was kind of like a one-year one year stopgap to try to see if you could figure something out at the tackle position long-term, and that'll be where the Chiefs kind of decide with Wanya Morris if he can, if they want him to start at left tackle, what kind of strength training plan do they have for him, and then Andy Heck will have to kind of let the front office and uh, Andy Reid know where he thinks he's at in his development and where they can get him to by the time the regular season starts, and then you know, you do have an option this year versus last year when you didn't have an option at that spot either way. So, I mean, you do have Morris. And then if they wanted to kind of dabble in Joe Tooney, maybe playing that coming off, whatever, um, whatever ends up happening with, uh, with the pectoral injury, if he did or did not have surgery, we'll see. Um, and then that will determine probably if you do have a backup option. So, I mean, there, there are options available, 
It's just, and there will be some veterans on the open market that they could go get. There's an amazing um, draft prospect that they, if they really wanted to be aggressive and give up most of their draft capital for, they could. Um, but I, with all the needs that they need to fill, I wouldn't be that aggressive unless you had a lot more day two picks to be able to get up to that point, which I don't think they're going to have. Yeah, and Donovan, remember, he was not plan A last year. Um, probably wasn't even plan B or plan C last year. I mean, he might have been plan D. Um, didn't sign with the Chiefs until after the draft. Um, so, I mean, they went through free agency. They went through Orlando Brown decision. Um, they went through the draft, seeing if they were going to end up with a left tackle that was could start in day one. Um, went through considering Jawan Taylor. I mean, there were a lot of other options they had before they decided on on Donovan Smith. So I would be surprised if he was plan A again this year. But and, and based on, hey, based on last year's free agency, you can probably afford to test the market and see what 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 happens with him, see what else is available. And he may still be available because he was available in May last year. Right. So when it gets to guys like the next group, uh, I would bring Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil in the conversation, kind of those both pseudo starters sharing a position there. They have entered the chat. As a... <laughs> they, have, they, have, they are entering the chat next and very intriguing because obviously, you know, one Willie Gay has been with you for four years, Drew Tranquil only one year, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you gave juice fans a, a choice about which one they'd want to keep, I think Drew Tranquil might be the choice. Yeah, um, yeah. with Willie Gay, I think his athletic ability is going to be very appealing for a team on the open market, looking for a guy that can either spy or close, close quickly and can drop into coverage. So I think that that's going to be very appealing for a team. And if he got eight a year on the open market, I would not be stunned one bit. And anything above that, I wouldn't be stunned one bit. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be – I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for Willie Gay, and I think he's gone out of his way at different times to hint that he believes there will be plenty of opportunities for him. For Drew Tranquil, I think Drew Tranquil wants to be here. And part of me thinks if it's somewhere between that 5 to $6 million range, I think that's something that can probably work for everybody, and he could immediately be a starter, be a backup green dot if he needs to, and you know, kind of be able to be a role player in this. I, I I got the impression whenever we asked Tranquil during the season that he really enjoyed it here, and that was before winning the Super Bowl, and that was before parade day and experiencing that and experiencing that playoff run and experiencing what it's like to win in the playoffs that he didn't get to with the Chargers. So he got that whole experience that he was looking for coming to Kansas City, and Andy Reid, through that text message to Tranquil, basically delivered on everything that you know he had said to Drew. So, I mean, I just I think – I think it's a good fit for both parties, and I think financially it's a really good fit for everybody. And the reason I say that is because with Willie Gay, I still think there's parts of Willie Gay's game that he may not be the most technically sound player, but he has athletic ability to cover for it to where you don't necessarily know sometimes that it didn't go according to plan. Uh, but with Tranquil, Tranquil's always spot on, and he's going he's gonna to be one of your stronger linebackers every time he's on the field. Yeah, and to me, uh, an interesting note about Willie this year is that, you know, he played 16 games, played three more than he did last year. He still played fewer snaps 
than he did a year ago, which to me is, I mean, that's not what you would do necessarily with a guy that you think is a cornerstone building piece of your defense mm-hmm. going forward. I mean, that would be a guy who was playing just as much, if as if not more than he did a year ago. So it certainly seems to me that, yeah, I mean, that maybe he, that's that's another clue right there. Like you said, not any in addition to some of the things that Willie Gay has said. Drew Tranquil, meanwhile, you know, played almost as many snaps as 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 Willie Gay did. I mean, as quote unquote a backup, mostly because he obviously got a lot of starting starts in there for for Nick Bolton. Um, yeah, I I my my gut feeling on this one, and it doesn't begrudge Willie whatsoever, but he's got two rings, and my guess is that he's gonna take the best opportunity and the best bag out there, mm-hmm. for lack of a better expression. Um and I don't blame him for that. It's a business. Go go get your money. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Tranquil just finally got his first taste of winning, and I'm not sure he's done with it yet. So I, I, that's a guy I could see settling and coming back to Kansas City for maybe less than he could get elsewhere just because of the uh, just the the atmosphere and the, the winning environment. Uh, whereas Willie, I mean, yeah, you go, go get that money, young man. I, I don't think there'd be any surprise there if that's where he ended up going. Yeah, I agree. Um, in the next group to kind of talk about to me is you know the the younger guys that you know maybe are you know especially the guy the group coming off of their you know first NFL contracts and going into their first taste of free agency because you've got some guys there that you know are pretty key not just Legarius Sneed but we're talking about Tommy Townsend we're talking about Mike Dana we're talking about Tershawn Wharton Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, there's a there's a, a group of them that are getting their first opportunity to test the market and see what's out there. How many of them do you think are going to be back with the Chiefs next year? Yeah, with with Mike Dana, I think he's going to want a bigger role than what he already has with the Chiefs out there and see what a team can offer him vision-wise in a role and to see if he can get somewhere above $5 million per year type of thing or if he can get in that ballpark as either a rotational guy or maybe a starter if a team's offering that. So I think he's going to – he's a guy you let test the market, and if there's an opportunity to come back here, you you jump at that chance. But he's earned that right with how he's developed to be able to see if he can find himself a starting role or find himself a number that can kind of help him, you know, long-term, be able to put money away for, you know, for after football type of thing. Um, Tommy Townsend, you already were all over it last week. Whenever you said that hiring Drew Rosenhaus, that that uh, that that's a precursor to wanting a lot of money, and I think that Tommy Townsend situation already kind of resolved itself or showed what's going to happen with the Chiefs uh, signing Matt Ariza, that punter from San Diego State, and the former uh, draft pick of the Buffalo Bills. He he has the same ability as Tommy Townsend, maybe. Maybe a little bit stronger leg. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do with Dave Tobe as his coach. Now, the question you have is how is snapping going to go whenever, from a field goal process perspective, if a rise is going to be that or if there's going to be another person doing that. And then, you know, Townsend got pretty good at it this year, especially in the Super Bowl when he caught that one wild uh, snap and got it down in time for Bucker to be able to kick it through. So, I mean, like, that's that's an unappreciated thing until it happens and there's a mess up for the next time. Then you appreciate what Tommy Townsend, how far he came as a holder even more. So yeah, now I mean, Townsend, he's probably going to get something on the open market. I'll be keeping my eye on Florida teams and see if there's a Florida team that wants a 
punter is willing to overpay for it to be able to kind of reset the field in that regard because Townsend is somebody that if you have a good defense, how can you reset the field each time? And he actually is a big factor. And financially, that's what Drew Rosenhaus can sell to a lot of teams is this guy resets the field for you. And if you had a, if you have a good defense, he can make life easier for not only your defense, but your offense. And that's, that's what he's going to have to do um, when he's selling them to other teams. And Townsend's going to get a nice payday with Wharton. <clears throat> Wharton's always been a rotational guy. Like, I just don't think he's ever going to be past rotational, whether Chris Jones was or wasn't here. And, you know, he's still coming off that injury from the year before. So he didn't really get to kind of showcase himself. So this will kind of be the year that he gets a chance to showcase himself if he's more than just a rotational guy. And that's where that'll be interesting in that regard, if he can kind of put himself past that or if there's a better scheme out there that wants to um, utilize him in a different way and kind of make him more of an attacking guy. Um, as a three tech or how they would want to kind of work them around in their defense. So I think those are all guys that you kind of, you kind of let test out the market. Was there another person I missed? Clyde was the final one. Clyde. Man. Okay. Um, yeah. Clyde. I mean, look, it, he got hurt his rookie year in the new Orleans game. He got bent back like a pretzel. He got hurt in that game and the explosiveness that he had at his level and I'm not saying he was the fast, you know, I'm not saying he was the most athletic guy to begin with. He wasn't Jamal Charles or anything like that. But the explosiveness he had in his ability, a lot of that went away after that happened. And he was he just he wasn't really the same player after that game. And he never really regained that form of what he personally had. He took a step down after getting bent like that and getting hurt the way he did. And he just never really refound found again what he had as a rookie because who he was early on as a rookie he did have some zip to him and he did kind of he had some strong run performances but once that happened he just he was never the same guy and he's never been able to kind of regain that form and that's why you let him test the market and if he wants to continue in football that's that's great but you know as he's mentioned He's got the future plans after the after football and you know and potentially in nursing. So I mean, he's a guy that I, I for him I think he I think he enjoys football to a certain extent, but I think he does have more interest and understands the bigger picture in life after football and what he likes to do with his time with you know with working on cars and going hunting down there and then also you know understanding with with his family background just kind of with them being in the military, just kind of, he understands the bigger picture. And so football may be a part of life, but it's not like the obsession for him. And that's, that's good overall because like he, you know, he has that grasp is in that regard. But whenever you're playing football, some teams want that to be your obsession and they want you to just be hundred percent on that and not worrying anything about the future or anything of that nature. So that'll, I don't know. It'd be interesting, but I do think that's a guy you kind of, let him explore the open market. And then I wouldn't be stunned if I'm in his shoes, if he's trying to figure out a way to play in new Orleans and kind of be down in Louisiana where he's already at in the off season anyways, and kind of see if he can get an opportunity there to try to make it work. Yeah. Clyde is, he, uh, he's a different kind of cat. And I mean that in a, a complimentary way. Yeah. I mean, it's not that, you know, there's, he's, anything wrong with him. I mean, I, I just, I think he he's wired a different way. I think he thinks a different way. I think his priorities are different than a lot of other NFL players. And, and there've been other guys. I mean, I think D Ford was kind of that way too, as a chief, mm -hmm. you know, Chris Conley is kind of that way a little bit. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, you get more diverse interests off the field and yeah, sometimes it does change your priorities about, you know, what you're looking for and where you're wanting to stay. And, and, and I'm not sure that Clyde was ever a perfect fit in the chief's locker room. I mean, there was no doubt he was well-liked. He's still yeah. well-liked. The, the guys in that room love him. I think they'd love to have him back. His cap number last year is under his rookie deal was 2.7. And that's not where I, I, I would peg him to be. I mean, if he were to come back for the Chiefs next year, I think it would be on a much more affordable contract because he would be the number two or number three running back on this team. So that would be, a, to me, a more realistic number would be something closer to vet minimum. I'm not sure that's what he's interested in in Kansas City. Right. I could see him you know, leaving for more money. I could see him moving to somewhere else for the same money. Uh, you know, it's, he's, Like I said, he's just a different kind of cat. So um, I have a hard time predicting what Clyde would do. Um, but other than the fact that I think he's going to do what is in his best interest and what he chooses. So, um, yeah, I I would be stunned um, if Tommy Townsend doesn't go somewhere where he doesn't have to wear a parka in December games on the warm-up on the field. Because <laughs> that's the one thing I know that he's not comfortable with in Kansas City is the cold. So, um, and I'm not sure there's anything else I can add with you across the rest of the board. Although I would try, I would love to keep a, a Tershawn Wharton if he's affordable. I mean, I think that's a good rotational piece. And like you said, I think he should be stronger in year two coming back from the injury. Um, but there's a handful of guys in that group that, yeah, I think the Chiefs could use. But at the same time, Probably let them test the market to see what they can get. Mm-hmm. And if you can save some money, um, there's really, I mean, I would say there's two groups left that we haven't touched on yet. Yeah. And one of them is just the veterans on this team that, you know, these are guys who are on their second, third, maybe their 18th NFL contract. If I think you're Blaine Gabbert, <laughs> you know, yeah. some guys who have been around the block for a while. Um, honestly, one of the more interesting names on this list for me is a specialist, another specialist, because it's James Winchester, um, who is now one of the oldest guys on this team, longest tenured. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't see anything in his game that would say walk away, but you know, Hey, if you're, I, I know he wants to come back next year. Um, can the chiefs afford to, you know, continue paying 1.4 million roughly to a long snapper? Or do they need to get cheaper? Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Nick? I kind of wonder if they're going to use that uh, <clears throat> that little veteran. You know, that little veteran thing that kind of puts it at a different minimum than what it actually yep. is. I would assume they would use that on him if they want to keep him around. And you and I both know Dave Tobe loves consistency. So if he can keep consistent long sniping or if he feels like James still at the same level and hasn't kind of started to erode at all, which long snappers normally don't do at that age, then you could probably – see him back here without a problem. Yeah, I would not want Harrison Butker to have to go through a new snapper and a new holder. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be tough to me. Um, is there anybody else in that veteran group that you would tab as absolutely need to get this guy back? Is it is it Blaine Gabbard at quarterback? You know, um, I, I think I would probably, you know, be ready to move on from Blake Bell and go younger at that position if I were Brett Veach. Um, there's a few other guys, obviously, a Deion Bush is in that list as well. Um, anybody that stands out to you that is a must-keep, or are these guys that, hey, wait and see what happens with them in April and May, and if they come back later, that's fine. Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll go through them all pretty quick for, for everybody. Um, Mike Edwards, you, you let him test the market, see if there's something out there. He, he was fine as the third safety as a rotational guy that could help. But when he got thrust into that starting role, uh, at times after Brian Cook got hurt, he 
defenses went after him a little bit and got some touchdowns off of him. So whenever he's kind of that third safety, that's more his wheelhouse, but more of a, when he has to kind of be more of a starter role that really kind of showed that teams could attack him. Um, Derek Naughty is a guy that if you bring him back, you're, I, I think Derek Naughty is going to be at a point in his career where it's just going to be series of one-year deals, whether it's Kansas city or somewhere else. And it's, he's just going to have to basically prove it every single year because he's a strong defender. He helps in the chiefs run game, but he doesn't really bring a ton as a pass rusher. So like, you know, teams just aren't going to put a premium on a guy who can't help rush the passer and, and kind of be that overwhelming factor as either a nose tackle or a one tech. So in that regard, you're not going to see a lot with McCole Hardman. <clears throat> if you're his agent, you go out and you sell him in the highest pressure situation. He delivered a 54 yard catch in the Super Bowl. He delivered the game winning touchdown under these clutch pressure moments. And that's why you should sign that client, you know, the, my client, if you're an agent selling that, he's not my client, but you know, if you're an agent being in that agent role, that's the thing you're trying to sell teams to him to see if you can get this one last payday for him. That's more than just a one year deal somewhere. And I know that sounds weird to say, but there's two other guys that were that performed well in Super Bowls. They went by the name of Larry Brown and Desmond Howard. And the Raiders snatched them up immediately after both their Super Bowl performances because the Raiders wanted to have that to kind of sell to fan bases. And Al Davis just loved anybody that performed at the highest level. So, you know, I know Al Davis is obviously passed and the Raiders aren't the same as what they were, but I'm saying there could be a team out there that literally wants McColl because of those key moments and really kind of sell that and kind of sell that to a locker room, having a guy around who literally caught the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl. I know that doesn't seem like a big deal, but that's in history forever, and that's going to be one of those exciting moments to where McColl can kind of ride that in free agency if he wants to. And now if he comes back to Kansas City – think he's like a fourth or fifth receiver maybe a returner and i think that's just what his role in kansas city is until athletically he couldn't do it anymore but the chiefs are a scheme that can they'll scheme stuff for him and allow him to kind of perform as he is you know nathaniel hackett wasn't about that life <laughs> you were gonna run what he had and that was gonna be that and that's why mccall is probably never going back to the jets so for him it would be about finding a good offensive fit um blake bell yeah, the time has kind of come. Like, you know, it's the end of the road in terms of the, in the NFL. He's given everything that he's had athletically. It's just not there after that injury he suffered in preseason last year. That on the hip, I believe, that took its toll. And so that, I think, is kind of, unfortunately, that's nearing its end to where what he provides as a blocker just isn't helpful enough anymore and too expensive for the role that he has. Um, Nick Allegretti. That is a guy that has a lot of versatility once he gets back from that elbow injury that he had. Um, and that I think that's going to hinder him from being able to hit the market unless the team's okay with that and that question mark. So I think he's going to have a one-year prove it no matter where he goes. And I think he signs later in free agency, not early on, because of you know teams – are going to want that healthy if he's going into a new system and OTAs and minicamp and everything. So for him, that injury happened at the worst, you know, worst possible time for financially making money. Richie James, there wasn't a lot that kind of 
it just didn't seem like it was a good fit this past year. And so I think they'll go separate ways in that regard. Deion Bush, he's he's a you know what you get him in get in him as a special teamer. That's why he'll always kind of potentially find a way on the Chiefs practice squad and kind of maybe be on a roster in some regard. But for the most part, the Chiefs were always paying for special teams. I know he had that big interception against Baltimore when he got thrust into that role as the third or fourth safety. But yeah, he's somebody if you're gonna have, he's gonna be more of a practice squad guy and try to keep that below that minimum with what he provides. Um, and the final two that I'm on, uh, Gabbert, uh, Gabbert, um, Blaine Gabbert, he, he's got the arm you want in the system that kind of matches what Mahomes does. I don't think he reads defenses the same way Mahomes does. And he just doesn't have that same rhythm passing style that, um, that, that Mahomes has. And, and Gabbert just doesn't really, didn't seem like he had a ton of command with the Chiefs offense and a ton of comfort level with what we got to watch at him in training camp and when he performed in that Chargers game at the end of the year. Now the question would be if you give him if he had to start in four or five games, would he be able to find that? Would he be more accurate? Is that a possibility? That's the question that only the Chiefs coaching staff can definitively say. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see if there's another backup out there that the Chiefs kind of we're intrigued by and maybe somebody that they want to get that they can work with on the rise. But the question that she sent to ask himself with a backup spot is, is there somebody out there that could help us win four to five games if we need to, and could be serviceable in the way that we need to, or do you want to have a veteran continue to kind of share ideas with Mahomes and if whatever happens happens. And then finally, I think the final two Prince Tega, Winogo, I mean, he's going to be a backup wherever he's at. That's part of that, and that's not a knock on him. That's just what his role is going to be in the NFL. And so if the Chiefs kind of want to have that stability, he did a good job before his injury, and he's reliable in that regard, and he kind of gives you a little bit of peace of mind. Um, and then Darius Harris, you know, I mean, you're you're always looking for linebacker depth, and the Chiefs have a lot of developmental depth in that regard. So I don't know if there's necessarily – a role for him right now on this team, other than just competing for a roster spot. I am going to throw one more name at you because okay. I think it's, it's one that, you know, we're, we're kind of all, you know, don't know about Jerick McKinnon. Ah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't, I I don't have a good feel about McKinnon one way or the other about what he's going to do and what the chiefs will do. Yeah. I mean, with McKinnon, that's a guy that, he, you could tell he wasn't 100% in the Super Bowl. Like, he didn't have the same explosiveness that he did early on in the year in September and even in the previous year. So the question will be, does he regain that form? Um, if he doesn't, then I think that road in the NFL is starting to kind of close at this point or that door is starting to close in terms of what makes him good athletic ability-wise. Because he's always going to be a great pass protector, and that's a part of it that teams are going to love. But what made him great was his explosiveness and his ability to catch out of the backfield and really kind of take when you have to take those dumb down passes or those flats passes and kind of turn those into first downs. He had the capability to do it when he had the chance in the Super Bowl, It wasn't the same explosiveness wasn't there and he got stopped on a couple of them that in prior years he would have turned into a first down. So the question is, do you find that on the open market in a younger player um, or is or do you want to try to kind of see if he can get back to who he was? And so I think he's going to be 32 this year. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, like that's 
for running back to still be in the league at that age, like that's really a tribute to how determined and how hard they work because athletically it starts, wheels start falling off there about 31 for most running backs, especially with the wear and tear of the league. I mean, most running backs, by the time they get to 28, 29, they start to show the amount of hits that they've taken over time. So for him to be able to do what he's done at 32, like that's that's a tribute to him. But I, I think that's a guy you let test the market. You try to upgrade at that running back position, and then you you go from there. McKinnon is, I mean, in the three years he's been with the Chiefs, the earliest he's ever signed has been April 30th. Yeah. He signed one year, um, I think maybe like the final day or the day after OTAs ended, which pretty good indication there about what your plan is. Um, and I don't think last year, even though he was under contract, I don't think he went through OTAs because I think he he was, I think, just either um, taking some vet rest or <laughs> rehabbing. Um, but honestly, I mean, I would put I would put McKinnon into a special category with Mike Pinnell. Yeah. Whereas I would tell both those guys, hey, here's the contract that you got waiting for you on November 1st. Nah. Go home, rest, work out, keep yourself in football shape. You're still in football shape on November 1st. You got a job here. Right. And here's what we're going to pay you. Uh, both those guys, I mean, they've been around for a while. I don't think they have either one of them have a huge amount left in the tank. But obviously, Mike Pinnell showed, hey, you can, he's got enough left for a playoff run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I if I'm the Chiefs, I maybe start carving out a category right there for those guys. Um, but you're right. I mean, a lot of those players that you're talking about, like Mike Edwards was one of those guys that you're, you're Chiefs, you're sitting back and you're just pointing at, like, in the third way of the free agency, and you're saying, who's still out there that shouldn't be? There's going to be some other guys this year who are in that same spot. Yeah. And the Chiefs are going to be, and Brett Veach is going to play his exact same card, and he's going to use Andy Reid as his closer. And say, hey, no, you want to start, but we won a lot of rings, and Big Red wants you. And here's the text from Big Red to say, hey, come play in Kansas City. I mean, they're going to get some of those guys, and maybe it will be some of them coming back, like a Nick Allegretti, uh, Derek Naughty. Maybe Mike Edwards will be back. But um, the Chiefs have been pretty good the last few years at mining those, you know, second, third, and fourth waves of free agency, and just seeing who are the guys who have slipped through the cracks that could come help them out. Yeah. So in. For anybody keeping tally here at the most point, I think we've said if you can find the right price for Jones and Sneed, definitely keep. Drew Tranquil, definitely keep. And then after that, let people test the market for the most part of it. I think that's pretty much what we've got for all of them. I think we pretty have, pretty much have. And and um, there are a few um, restricted rights free agents, which are players who are going to be in their fourth year of eligibility. Uh, one of them is intriguing because it's a guy who's been around a long, long time, but because of the vagaries of the NFL um, uh uh, acu- 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 accumulation of uh, years of experience. Uh, Jody Fortson's a restricted free agent, which means that the Chiefs can offer him a one-year tender, you know, original round offer. They could offer, they could ta- obviously tag him with a specific round number two, which then, you know, would give you an opportunity to get compensation if you were to sign to somebody else. But I mean, I'm assuming that for a restricted rights free agent, that he'll just be back. Um, cheap and affordable. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs were like, hey, Jody, you're 28. There's too many injuries. Not going to happen, but I guess we shall see, right, Nick? Well, I mean, I I think what's going to be interesting is that he does share the same uh, agents as Chris Jones. So, you know, that'll be interesting, kind of how Chris Jones goes. I wonder if that's going to 
kind of spill over into <clears throat> Jody Fortson land where they're like, no, we don't, we don't want that either, you know, for that client. So that's just not going to work for us type of thing. I know if the chiefs place it on there, it is what it is at that point or supposed to be, but you know, they, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. Cause I mean, Fortson, look, the chiefs could have used him. I mean, there's no, like they could have used him down the stretch. Like, I think that offense has a little bit of spark if he's healthy and out there pairing with Travis Kelsey and kind of honestly filling in part of that Justin Ross role of what, what they wanted, I think Ross to be, but ended up not working out um, or coming to coming together because of his time away from the team. So yeah, I mean, Jody Fortson athletically, he's got what you want, but like he's getting hurt every year. Like, you know, he had the shoulder this past year before that, I remember, I can't remember, there was some bump and bruise the previous year. And then I know he worked his way back from the Achilles, which is a, a tribute to him because some guys don't work themselves back and get to that same athletic, athletic level again in the way that he did. So, I mean, that's a tribute to him, but it does seem like every year there ends up being some type of injury that really derails the promise that Jody Fortson has been able to bring to this football team. And it just never fully comes together for a full 16 games and a playoff run. I am going to give you a stat here, Nick, that might just blow you away. Are right, you? I'm ready for it. Are you ready for it? Because yes. I'm not completely convinced that you are ready for it. Okay. But it is one of my more favorite statistics, and it's obviously about Jody Fortune. Jody Fortune has 14 NFL catches. Yep. He has three rings. Mm-hmm. That's a remarkable ratio. <laughs> I mean, hey, McCole Hardman got three rings too, and he got traded, and he and he signed with the Jets and got traded he's, back. He's had, still, he's had some decent seasons though. Still he's had, had three rings, years. you know. I'm not I'm not stunned by anybody that's been a part of this team that's got three rings. It's it's just amazing to me. I mean, testament to Jody because you're right; he's been through a lot, and, mm. and I think that alone. I mean, it's he would be a very affordable keep. Um, popular with this team, so I, I think they'd love to give him another chance in the 90 and let him stick around. We shall see. Uh, really, the last grass grip we haven't really addressed are, are the um, exclusive rights free agents, which are usually pretty pro forma. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of the Chiefs have to just offer them a deal and they'll be there. Um, they've got three this year, Mike Caliendo and Jack Cochran, who are undrafted guys. Um, the one that's the bigger name in that group is Nazi Johnson, who's coming back from the injury and obviously has been posting some videos of him working out. Looks like he's coming back. Um, but he's technically a exclusive uh, restricted rights free agent because the Chiefs did waive him at one point to put him on the practice squad, mm. which means he's no longer on a rookie deal. So he, now he's 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 not on a rookie contract anymore, which is what makes him a free agent. But but I expect all three of those guys to be back, but yeah. it's, you know, crazy, crazier things have happened, I suppose. Yeah, no, I expect all them to be back on the cheap staff because it's, there's not really, you know, you're not really competing with another team. You just give them the offer and then that's kind of, kind of done at that point. So yeah, I expect all them to be back and you're hoping Nazi Johnson can be able to uh, kind of pick up where he left off in training camp and you're hoping he can, because if he did, he was gonna have a really big year, and you and him and you're opening. You're open between Naze, Chamari Connor, and uh, Nick Jones. You're really hoping those guys, if the Chiefs aren't able to retain Snead, you're hoping those guys can really step up to the plate, and somebody can develop under Dave Merritt and kind of really pick up where Legarius Snead kind of 
left off in some regard or be able to give them a different type of look or versatility that adds a new wrinkle that they weren't, you know, they didn't have the prior season. And that may be where part of it is, or people have to accept if the Chiefs don't have Chris Jones or Legereus Sneed, that kind of forces the defense to evolve as well. So teams can attack it in the same way that they that they'll see on tape from the previous year. So in the end, if you're trying to look glass at full, maybe that ends up becoming the positive from it is that the Chiefs have to evolve and in teams that are deta- that are working things down a certain way that they wasted their time. That indeed. Um, We are, I mean, we're, we're getting right now, this week is when the NFL off season truly begins in earnest. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had, we've had all of two weeks off supposedly uh, to get ready for the off season. But um, Tuesday, the, the NFL combine officially kicks off. Uh, Andy Reid and Brett Veach will be talking from Indianapolis on Tuesday. I'll be there to, uh, let you guys all know what happened from there. Nick and I will be on uh, the Chiefs Digest live Q&A Tuesday night to answer your questions and address maybe some of the things that those guys said. Um, the other, the next big deadline to watch for, March 5th, is the deadline for teams to designate their franchise players. So that will be the deadline for either Jones or Sneed to get the, the tag there. Um, and then the just six days after that, March 11th is when the the deadline kicks in. The teams can start negotiating with free agents. March 15th or 13th is when free agency officially begins in the new league year. So that's when the flurry of activity can officially take place. So if um, you're one of those people who does not enjoy sleep and likes, you know, working around the clock for 72 hours or so, uh, and you're an NFL reporter, that's that that's, that just works out great, doesn't it, Nick? It's going to be, yeah, there, you got... The the chance to catch your breath is pretty much wrapping up here pretty soon. So then it goes back into full swing for about a month or so. Then you get a little bit of a breather, and then oh hey here's the draft, and then you're back in back in running mode um, at that point. And then you get a couple, you know, then you get the rookie camp that'll be after that, and then you have a couple weeks, and then oh hey here's OTAs again, <laughs> and then. And then you are, and then you go through the OTA process, and then uh, and then you're like, okay, end of June, middle of June, end of June, okay, you got that until middle of July, and then it, and then it starts all over again. So there's all those little checkpoints along the way that let you know that training camp is almost around the corner. That indeed it is, and that will be even earlier than you think, especially if the Chiefs kick off on that Thursday night game as we all expect for the defending champion to do as is, is tradition now. So that'll be lots of fun as well, Nick, going to back to the St. Joe a couple days earlier than everybody else. No, you just got to remember still February right now. So just take That's it one right. week at a time. <laughs> So that it doesn't overwhelm you. <laughs> That's all that you can do. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty more to talk about in the next couple of weeks, especially as, you know, we get closer to the beginning of the new league year. Um, we talked a little bit about Matt Ariza earlier, Nick. I don't know if you have any other mm-hmm. thoughts about his, his joining the, the roster, what it really means. Obviously, to me, it means, yeah, Tommy Towns is leaving. Um, and he's obviously a guy with a lot of talent because I know you said he's the only punter you've ever put on your big board. Yeah, he's one of the. I think yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the only punter I've ever put on my draft board for Chiefs fits, and he ended up fitting with the Chiefs. Um, yeah, I mean, like, look, he's a he's a guy who can change the field, and like he gives a lot of what Tommy Townsend did as a punter, and so Dave Toe being able to work with him, that's going to be very very intriguing. What Dave can kind of help harness with him, what he can work with him on from a football perspective, and 
I mean, look, the guy, you know, the the highlight that's going to run over and over again from his time in Buffalo was the 82-yard punt in the preseason. And, like, I mean, but that was normal for him at San Diego State. That's why teams were coveting him and why teams were potentially going to draft him is because he could change a field in, in just one punt. So question will be, what what can he be as a holder? How can he kind of work on that? What, how long does that take for him to get up to speed, get up to par? How many, you know, how long he has to practice with that? But, yeah, the Chiefs basically, I had say it this way, but the Chiefs were like, okay, well, they probably had Tommy's number of what he potentially wanted. They got word of what it would potentially be and what type of contract he's looking for. And then they, you know, at minimum, they created leverage and like, okay, well, we got this guy who can punch just as well for vet minimum. So you, do you still want that number? <laughs> or, and they're probably like, yeah, I still want that number. We're going to get it. And then they're like, okay, well, that's, you know, hey, we respect it. <laughs> and then that's probably how that more than likely went. I mean, I don't know definitively, but I'm just saying running the scenarios through my head all the people involved, I would assume that that's how that, that how that went down. Still, still amazes me that even with you know, considering the off-field controversy that Ariza went through, that that NFL teams still said to themselves and and and, and let happen that the Chiefs get a guy with that kind of talent and Dave Tope with that kind of talent. I mean, it just seems like one of those things that you shouldn't let happen. But I'm uh, here's. <laughs> Here, here's the difference in the Chiefs and other NFL teams is, look, everybody knows about what most people likely know what the whole controversy is and why he was available in the allegations and the lawsuit. And he was cleared of those those things when they did their investigation on it. So um, when you look at all that combined, other NFL teams just either don't have the cachet to be able to make a move like that, that's going to bring that much controversy and that much media attention as it did immediately after he signed. Cause I, I can tell you like they're the phone in my office um, started ringing pretty quickly from news outlets that weren't even in the state of Missouri, <laughs> like wanting uh, checking on it. So like, I mean that, you know, with the Chiefs being Super Bowl champions, they've proven that they have a path that can be taken for success for anybody. And I think that they, and with Andy Reid's track record in terms of being able to give people second chances and them taking advantage of the second chances in a good way, like, you know, like he's he's built up enough cachet in this town and overall in the NFL to where you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But there's a lot of other NFL teams that, you know, may not be able to handle that that storm initially of what all comes with him having it. Cause I mean, there's going to be a point down the road where, you know, whether a rise does or doesn't work out that, you know, if, if he goes to another team, the chiefs have already had to weather the storm of all that stuff. Just like the chiefs had to weather all the storm of the Tyree kill when they drafted him, the dolphins don't have likely weren't having dolphins, you know, weren't having to deal with as many of those questions because the Chiefs essentially took all those arrows because of the selection. And so, like, right now, the Chiefs, I fully expect Andy Reid and Brett Beach to have to answer that at the combine. That's, that's uh, you know, especially with national reporters and everybody combined and, you know, all that, like, they're they're gonna, probably going to ask about that. And then somebody's going to ask about, more than likely, I expect a national reporter at the, at the combine is going to ask them about the parade and how they kind of feel about that. And that may be their first moments talking about that. 
and then somebody's gonna ask about Chris Jones, somebody's gonna ask about Sneed, and then you know, and then like I can already you and I can already predict the questions that are gonna be asked. But if anybody who's gonna be there at the at the combine asking prospects questions, this is the one thing I, I ask. No matter who the prospect is, if you're a reporter, the way you ask a player if they've talked to teams is you don't ask them about the specific team you're covering. You just ask them what teams have you spoken with or talked to. Then that eliminates five questions from the other teams once a reporter hears, oh, that, that Jets beat writer asked about them. I'm going to ask about the Lions. And then the, and then the, the Rams, you know, reporter ask about this or you know and then and then before you know it it's six questions where it's like if you just ask what teams then it's done in one thing that saves five questions that other people can ask about who that player is or what inspires them and then you don't burn up time with you know something that could have been done in one you know it's 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 that it's that mentality work works work you know work smarter <laughs> Not work harder. smarter, yes. Work smarter, not harder. Then don't make everybody else life harder either. Yes. I so that's, that's that's just my that's my thing, and that, that always annoys me whenever I listen to a presser, and it's like, hey, have you talked to this team? And I'm like, come on, man. Like you got the question in, that's cool. Ask it about what teams have, and then it's all done for everybody. Exactly. That's the number one. That's my number one thing. Like that should be in the PFW. Uh, I'm not a part of, but the Pro Football Writers Association, like that should be a requirement. <laughs> like, Don't ask about an individual team. Ask about which teams. That's right. And, 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 and not everybody asking those questions is a part of the PFWA, you know? So I, I totally get that. But literally, like, that should be like, the, that. actually, that should be printed on the credential that you accept and you agree to terms with. <laughs> that, that you're like... You, if you're going to ask about a team, just ask about all the teams collectively. Don't ask about a specific team. Yes, and uh, there's the, the the real question, Nick, is the one the questions that you can't predict because there will be plenty of those. Yeah. You'll be having a conversation about you know, hey, football here and there, and maybe mm. you know, players got you know maybe a, a particular interesting moment in their biography. Asking about that, and then all of a sudden, what's your favorite kind of breakfast meat? Yeah, and we'll get those questions too. You're not wrong, Matt. You're not wrong. No, no. Well, uh, with that, I think we will sign off here. But we've got. Plenty more coming with you. We'll be back here on 41 is the mic next week on your feed with more off-season breakdowns for the Chiefs. And we're getting close to where it's just going to be absolutely news and not even, you know, projections or mm -hmm. thinking about what the Chiefs are going to do. It's going to be breaking down what the Chiefs actually did. And maybe we'll get some of those. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs, depending on who you, you ask, have maybe 24 to $28 million in cap space. Um, we'll, we'll find out for sure when the NFLPA updates its numbers after the beginning of the new league year. That's the one to always trust because the other ones are just good estimations but are not the most accurate number. But they at least give you a, a ballpark. And honestly, I mean, the Chiefs don't appear like they have to make any moves before March 13th to get under the cap. So right. they don't necessarily have to do anything, but, you know, obviously some roster moves to save some space, um, converting some bonus money to create some cap space could be done if they need to, or there's some deadlines with bonuses that need to be paid that they need to can always be done. But um, right now it doesn't appear imminent that the Chiefs have to do anything before March 13th. 
Yeah, and that's a that's a good thing as long as it's a rare put, thing. <laughs> yeah, as long as they don't place a tag on anybody, then that'll <laughs> that'll turn that upside down pretty quick. That will uh, eliminate the money pretty quickly. I guess it should be noted. I mean, technically, if they wanted to tag Chris Jones, probably don't technically have the money to do that right now. That's what I'm saying. Like it'll but turn they, that, it'll change that one pretty quick, and then Lajarius Need would take away most of that pretty quick too. Yeah, they could tag Lajarius, but they would then need some help. So. We shall see what happens. So thank you all for listening. We will be back here on your feet again next week. Until next time, my bid you adieu. You've been listening to 41 is the Mic, presented by KSHB 41, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest.